Welcome to the Not Last Podcast, Season 1, Episode 3. I'm your host, Andrew Neil Nunez. Today's topic is titled, Finding My Drive. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome uh, to the third episode. I am very excited that everyone keeps tuning into this. This has uh, been a very fun project, and today we're going to talk about uh, COVID and uh, ways to stay positive during difficult times, especially with uh, with our current climate. So let's jump right into it. Uh, let's face it, everything sucks. Life is hard. I don't know about you, but I feel like since March, the, the rug has been pulled out from underneath me and I'm falling. Some days I'm falling faster and deeper and harder than others, but there's just been a constant state of uh, a feeling like I'm falling. I hope not all of you feel the same way. Hopefully you're sometimes doing better than I am. But um, I take some solace in thinking that we are all in this together. And I at least try to tell myself that that this this is true and that, that I can find solace uh, in that. So today we're talking about uh, when the chips are down and, and how I've been able to uh, pull myself up and out of it. Um, Lately, it's been having to use everything I have, all of the skills in my mental toolbox, all of my uh, small little uh, tricks and tips and everything to try and and get through the day sometimes. Um, uh, but I've been having to use everything I have to, to figure out how to manage just kind of one day at a time. And, and maybe some of you are in this boat as well. Um, I'm going to start by talking about environment. So being in a, well, um, been in an environment where there's kind of a thorn in your side. Uh, It can be a bad coach. It can be some people in your community whose input you didn't ask for, you don't want and you don't need. Um, People that choose to, for no particular reason, you know, question and discredit you. Um, or your whatever you're trying to do or your accomplishments. Um, they try and, and categorize it as, yeah, you did that, but, oh, yeah, but it wasn't that hard. It, like, I could have done better kind of thing. Um, the, I've, been, I've been in instances where I've had coaches in the past who, you know, I would have a really hard workout or I would do what I thought was a really good performance in a race, and this coach would say, yeah, but I, I did better. Or, yeah, but you you could have done more. Or you didn't win, so why does it even matter? And, you know, um, going back to this whole premise of, of, for me, it's never really been truly about winning. It's about you doing the best that I can and, and highlighting those good achievements. But I had a coach for a number of years, and he would just uh, kind of belittle me and beat me down every time I would try to perform and ultimately I uh, I was overtrained I think he was underqualified and I was well overtrained where I would do these workouts and beat myself up and I would just feel like I was beating my head against a wall and I was getting slower and slower and slower and getting more and more demoralized I would discredit myself I would second guess myself and it was just on the daily where we'd communicate on a regular basis and he would consistently just berate me for for no other reason other than uh, I just wasn't good enough yet, and I couldn't give as much time to training as I should have been. And you know, 
I was finishing up school. I was working three jobs. I was working 80 hours a week and uh, I didn't have a lot of time to train. And at this, at that point, this was just kind of a, a, a casual hobby more than, <laughs> more than the dependency it has turned into now. Starting to identify those people or identify those people who would take your accomplishment and end up making it about them and centralize it about them and take that, that whatever accomplishment or whatever that, you know, um, that moment that you had the floor and turn it around and put that spotlight on them. Starting to identify those people and making kind of a hard line and cutting that out of your, your environment. So that's the first thing I think, uh, I, I wanted to address is, you know, if there are people who are in your environment or in your social circles that, you know, you don't have to be rude. You don't have to be, if there's one thing that I try and do is, and, and I hope for is that if people talk about me, um, when I'm not there is that they always think I'm a nice guy and I will always be cordial to someone I don't like. I will always give them a high, hello, smile, a wave when I, when I have to, or when I'm, you know, it's socially appropriate to do so. But, um, I don't have to have a relationship with them more than that. And neither do you, if there are people in your community or in your environment that you don't need or, or need to associate yourself with or, or be around, that is okay. And especially with this difficult time that we're in right now, more than ever, I feel like it's appropriate and important for your own well-being and health of you and your family to, to really fight hard for, for who you are surrounding yourself with, effectively clearing the static. There's a quote that I really like uh, that comes from uh, Brene Brown. She is an author, a podcast host, a professor, uh, and she specializes in the concepts of courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy. And one thing that she says is to choose discomfort over resentment. And especially now, to choose to have that uncomfortable conversation where you are either ending the relationship or reducing the capacity of the of that relationship or really being forceful and standing up and saying I don't want to be a part of this or I want to be a part of this and and choosing to have that small short window of discomfort versus a longer extended window of resentment because you chose not to say something because you didn't take action and resenting that choice so choose discomfort over resentment Another one that, that I come, uh, come away with, and I, I also listen to uh, this TED Talk over and over and over again, it's by Sarah Knight. She's, she's a fascinating person in and of itself. She's a book publisher. She, uh, at the time, was living in, in New York City. She sold everything and moved to the Dominican Republic. And um, she gives this, gives this great TED Talk. You can find it. I encourage you to find it. And um, it's, it's called... Uh, well, I don't want to be too explicit in this podcast, so this can be family-friendly. It's called F-Bucks. Uh, F rhymes with uh, duck. So uh, we'll call it Duck Bucks. Um, but it's about how many of these Duck Bucks do you have and how many are you willing to give out? You only have so many. You only have this this stack of cash, effectively. And, and how much are you willing to dish out? And how much do you need to keep for yourself? And she talks about... Uh, rationing them and putting them where you want to. And it, you know, it, it comes down to, well, we're not really going out to parties and things. At least I hope you're not going out to parties and, and dinner events right now uh, that's outside of your very tight social circle. 
um, and you are all being very safe and appropriate with uh, with this current climate that we're in. But it's I don't want to go out tonight and be with these people that make me do these bad things or make me have poor decisions that I regret the next day. It's just saying no and being okay with saying no because instead you'd rather hang out in your uh, pajamas and watch a movie or you are an introvert like I am and you know social situations really stress me out and I can only take so many of that. So I can't overcommit my schedule because of my I only have uh, a limited amount of, uh, what did I say? Oh, of duck bucks um, that uh, that I'm willing to give out before I'm just out of, of bucks <laughs> to give. Um, so I'd encourage you to listen to that pod, or that TED Talk um, uh, by Sarah Knight. It, it's a very good one, and um, I, I keep going back to it. I'll, I'll listen to it probably once every, every month or two. So whether you are an athlete or a competitor or a fitness or exercise enthusiast or not, uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, If you are tuning in and listening to this, I I hope you're, one, enjoying the content, and two, finding it relatable. Um, But what I'm going to talk about now are some ways to stay competitive, uh, especially during during COVID when there are no races or whatever race you think you can do or you think you signed up for ultimately gets canceled. So um, some races, for example, one one race that I had on on the books this year was to go down to Chile and compete in the Chilean uh, time trial and road race national championships. My fitness was coming along. I was feeling really good and um, I... I was waiting for them to post the dates and the dates weren't happening and the dates weren't happening and I was sending emails like crazy and because I had to make travel arrangements, I couldn't just pick up and go because I don't live in Chile. I live here in Eugene, Oregon. And um, ultimately I found out that, well, uh, everything's kind of falling to pieces over in Chile and the championships weren't happening and I was just gutted. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't figure out what to do. Um, so I had to kind of regroup myself, get my thoughts back together and and find another big event that would have that um, was either in South America, of which I couldn't really find much that would have that same kind of prestige. Um, but I did find one here that I thought I could I would have a really good shot at competing and maybe maybe even getting a spot on the podium. And that was the um, the UCI uh, Grand Fondo um, uh, time trial and the the Grand Fondo event. So a long, like 160 mile road race, effectively, and race my favorite discipline of the time trial. So I'd signed up for this uh, UCI Grand Fondo qualifiers event in uh, Alabama, of all places. There was one being hosted in Alabama. Is that I believe it was the Chiha. Grand Fondo, um, and I was. We had hotel. We had a Airbnb booked. We had a rental car going. Plane tickets were purchased. Um, I was getting the bikes ready to go. I had bought a second bike box to travel with both the road bike and the TT bike, and we were we were all poised and ready to go. Training again was coming along really well. The timeline for the national championships and these Grand Fondo qualifier event was about the same, so I didn't have to alter my training too much. And I was, it was kind of a consolation race, but because I really wanted to race the national championship, but I was able to 
to accept that that was not happening and and move on into into this. And then I went to uh, Arizona to um, to train with my coach, and we did a great training camp and in Tucson and did some amazing riding. And I was just everything was really coming together. COVID hit. Grand Fondo were champion. Uh, Grand Fondo were uh, was canceled. So that was fun to then have the rug pulled out from underneath me, as I'm sure so many other people had the same thing going on as well, where they just uh, they had big plans. We all had plans. Everyone had plans for summer vacation, for springtime, for whatever. And we've all just had the rug pulled out from underneath us. So the Grand Fondo qualifier event was canceled, and then Grand Fondo Worlds was canceled, um, and that was going to be up in Whistler. And... I was just kind of left without anything on my race calendar and races continued to get canceled and canceled and canceled. And, um, here we are. So with seemingly no end in sight for this COVID thing, um, some ways that I have found to stay competitive, to keep the motivation up of which the motivation it ebbs and flows for me uh, almost on a daily basis. Some days I'm motivated to get out there and go train and really execute the workout that I've been given. Some days I'm really not. Uh, but I have found some some fun ways to stay competitive and, and keep the hunger there. And um, one thing I have been doing is there's a... Uh, there's an online leaderboard called Strava, if you're not familiar with that. it's a You can make a free account and it, it will show you, you know, if you have a GPS device for running or riding or, or things or a GPS watch or even your phone, I believe you can use your phone. Um, I just have a free account. I don't subscribe to, to Strava with a paid account, but I can see where I'm at on the leaderboards for this segment. And so there's a hill climb or a stretch of road that I like to go fast on. And I can see after my effort or my attempt on that stretch of road uh, where I stacked up and if I was the fastest up the hill. Um, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. But but going going out and doing what's, what's affect, affectionately known as Strava hunting has been a fun way to go do an easy workout, slow, just kind of cruising along. And then you find this segment and you just give it everything that you have while you're still fresh. And then you ride home or you continue your ride in a, a kind of an easy pace. But the intent is to go and just smash this segment and give it a, a good nudge to see if, if you can get the segment or not. Um, so that's been fun. There's some really fast guys here in town. Um, I like to think I might be one of them, but, uh, <laughs> as of late, the training has been pretty hard and it hasn't felt like that. But, um, uh, yeah, going Strava hunting has been one thing. I have, um, three training partners. Uh, one of them is, is my best friend. Uh, another is, a, I guess, uh, another very good friend. Uh, and she lives just down the road from us. And we've been riding, and then another one is a coworker, and we all have very tight social circles, and and I only interact with these three people while I'm riding, or when I'm riding, and we never ride more than um, than once, usually every two weeks, to make sure that we're all still safe and healthy. Um, but I don't do any group rides or anything like that. And so one thing that we have done is um, we've started doing a hill climb challenge with my training partner. So each week we'll get to pick a different hill to climb, and the hills just get more difficult and steeper and longer and they're just brutal and so we just try and 
um, and destroy each other on this hill climb. But the rules are you can do it as many times as you want during the week, as many attempts as you want. Um, your fastest time counts. And it's just on the honor system where just, you know, um, you hit your lap counter on, on your computer and, and see how you do. But um, fastest time you, you can post at the end of the week. And then we have an, a, a spreadsheet that we've plugged it in to Excel uh, or Google Spreadsheets. And um, we have kind of treating it like a weekly stage race to see who has the, the lowest overall time, the lowest elapsed time up all of these climbs. And I think right now I'm I'm down by about 30 seconds, but um, I I will hopefully be able to claw my way back. And on a hill climb, that's that's a lot. Um, but I'm also going up against a very good and prominent hill climber. Another one we're doing is a, a TT challenge. So same kind of concept, total elapsed time as many times as you want. Um, but these time these these efforts are like max efforts, so they hurt. And they take a toll in your body and, and you kind of have to, you do have to spend some time recovering after an effort like that. Like these are full gas efforts. Um, so we'll do that on, on the TT bikes uh, and see, see where we stack up against each other. And that's been, that's been fun. There's, there's a certain level of camaraderie that's built up and you're, you're continuing a relationship with a good friend and training partner in, uh, as, as well. And so that's, that's been really cool. Um, another fun thing I guess I, I've been doing is is setting myself some personal goals. So if there's there's a hill out here that I've never been able to crack under 20 minutes and it's a five and a half mile climb and I've come close within like 20 seconds of this and that's my absolute PR. And so trying to find like ways to stay motivated has been uh, trying to crack 20 minutes. And so getting my fitness up to do this uh, to really get under the 20 minute barrier up, up, it's called Fox Hollow. It's this long climb, and uh, that is difficult for me to do. And and it makes me focus, and it makes me train, and keeps me uh, hungry to try and get get that goal. So setting some of those personal goals, mapping out ways to to achieve them, and um, and that's been fun. I've I've enjoyed that a lot. The majority of the training that I do is is focused, is structured. I have workouts on my on my computer, on my little bike computer that my coach gives me, and and I go and I execute those workouts, and then I go home and recover because they're usually um, pretty tough, or they're easy days, and I'm not going out for any kind of PR or anything like that. They're just easy recovery days. One thing I have been doing, and I've been taking advantage of the recovery days. Um, is is kind of checking some things off the bucket list that I've been wanting to do or told myself, oh, that would be cool to do or, or fun to try out uh, while I'm riding. One of them is uh, is going for a BlackBerry picking ride. And right now, Blackberries are in season here in Eugene. And I will go ride very a short ride. You know, this is less than an hour or so. And I'll ride to a spot where I find some Blackberries. I have a, a gallon um, plastic bag with me and I pick blackberries and then I go home and I eat the blackberries. That's the important part is to eat the blackberries while you're picking and after you get home. But uh, that's something I don't do. I don't, mm, this seems silly to say it, but I don't ride for fun. I ride for training. I ride for purpose. And so stopping to uh, eat is also something I don't normally do. I usually eat while I'm riding on the bike. And so I'll get to a pretty spot on the side of the road and I will stop. I will get off my bike. I will enjoy the view 
and take a breather and eat my Cliff Bar. Or right now, uh, my favorite has been these Nature's Bakery Fig Bars. And I've been on these kick uh, this trend for, for a long time, uh, a couple of months now. And maybe more than that, maybe more than a year or so. But um, Nature's Bakery uh, Fig Bars, they're vegan, they're delicious, they're very simple, they taste really good. Um, they're soft, so you don't have to chew them really hard like you do a Cliff Bar. Um, they're pretty delicious. Uh, Fred Meyer has them very cheap if you if you are in a spot that has a Fred Meyer's or a Kroger's, I guess, they're the same thing. But um, yeah, so doing some of these things that I don't normally get to do. So uh, that has been that has been fun. Starting to check those off my bucket list, and it's having these small, consistent achievements. And the achievement is to stop and take a break. The achievement is to set a PR or do do an attempt on the hill climb challenge or time trial challenge with your friends. Like setting those and having many small achievements, I I think is close to, at least for me it is, is close to having one really big achievement of doing a big race. It's those small little tidbits that that keep me hungry and keep me motivated to to keep training. While staying motivated is key to to good training and, and keeping that hunger there, uh, you know, again, staying on target is is, is really important to me. Um, being able to find and set your goals, but not holding on to them so tightly that it's an all or nothing kind of deal. Uh, it it gives you the inflexibility, or, or it puts you in a very inflexible position, where uh, if you don't have the ability to meet these goals, or something out of your control happens, where um, your target race or your target event isn't going to happen for whatever reason. Um, it give, it doesn't allow you the, the ability to stop and pivot to the next thing that's in a similar timeline because you've been holding on so tightly. I've been there several times where I have been really focusing on the state time trial championship and everything was on that. And I had a bad race and I was devastated because I was holding on so tightly that I was bound to fail because I was I was just trying to control too many things and I wasn't able to pivot and and readjust and reassess and reevaluate my goals and set them to something that um, that uh, was a little more attainable. So the next topic and next tool also to add into your mental toolbox and one thing that I use very often is. Uh, the ability to utilize compartmentalization. So I use this for work. I use this for recovery. I use this for um, training. Uh, I use it for eating, etc. It, it really is making that conscious effort to focus on the task at hand and nothing more and, and also nothing less than that task. So I just uh, earlier this week I had a, I had a workout. It was a three and a half hour workout, and it was highly structured, and it brought me to my knees. I found my limit, and I think my coach was trying to find out kind of where my limits are at this time, and he took me there, and he took me past it. And um, just finishing the workout, I mean, it just wrecked me. And today I had another long ride to do uh, on on the heels of that workout, and I am exhausted. <laughs> he really took it to me. But what I really had to do, so this workout was, it was a stair-step workout. It was a three-minute, two-minute 
one minute um, and then a 30 second effort. And every time we'd get harder and harder and shorter and shorter. And we did this six times over again, over the course of an hour. So it was a full hour of action-packed fun, if you will. Um, but I was on the fourth set and feeling, okay, I could handle this. The fifth set really started to put it into me. And by the end of the fifth set, I was staring at my computer, watching those seconds tick down and just focusing on that simple task at hand, not of the next set I had to do, not of, of the recovery that's coming up once I'm done with this. It was just focus on these next 30 seconds. And I tell myself, you can do anything for, for three minutes and I'll take three minutes and I'll split it in half and be like, okay, it's not actually three minutes. It's a minute and a half and a minute and a half. And then I'll get through that section or that that stair step and I'll get to the next one and I'll say, oh, well, this is only, that was three minutes. This is two minutes. It's only one and one. So it's just a minute and a minute. I can do anything for a minute. And so I start to make these these deals with myself and I start to roll these around. And, and once I get through this, the two minute effort, then I'm into the one minute effort and I go, oh, well, the last one was two. The, the one before that was three. Just focus on the one minute and you start it down. And it's like, well, only 30 seconds to go. And you go on down to the 30 second one and it suddenly it feels so short. It feels still very hard, but, but I'm solely focused on that small section of time, that small little window where this is all I have to do. Nothing else matters for what I did before and nothing else matters for what I'm about to do after just this one spot. And so I compartmentalize to just focusing on that specific task at hand. When it's time for me to train, I am focused on training. When it is time for me to be done training, I am not thinking about training really at all. When it's time to eat, I focus on eating. When it's time to recover, when it's time to work, when it's time to whatever, I really work on compartmentalization. And especially with, with all of what's going on now and again with, with COVID and whatnot, um, taking that time to to really compartmentalize and and just focus on what you're doing now because that's what really matters. And then you'll do the next right thing and the next and the next and the next. Sometimes we also have uh, setbacks that can really be a reality check. Uh, nobody wants them, um, but I think they're part of life and, and they are necessary. And it's what we do when we encounter these setbacks that determines how we get through it and what impact they have on us. An example for you uh, that I that I kind of comes to mind is it, it was my, I believe it was my either 2008 or 2009 season. Um, and I was racing uh, my bicycle and my fork, my carbon fork on my bicycle snapped in half while I was while I was on a descent, and I was doing probably 40 miles an hour. It was a downhill, um, really fast downhill. I was on my time trial bike, and my fork snapped, and my head went straight to the ground. I was knocked unconscious, and I um, I broke a couple of things. Was taken to the hospital in an ambulance, and you know had a a pretty long road to recovery. Broke a couple of ribs, cracked my scapula, I believe, my on the left side, and um, and had a, a pretty severe uh, concussion, and um, and it was completely out of my control. the The carbon fork just failed, and um, uh, after that, getting back on the bike, 
I was determined, one, to get back on the bike, and two, I was determined to not let this stop me because I'm, I'm still hungry to be a bike racer and, and be a, an athlete. And, can, and I, I take um, pride in identifying myself as an athlete and as a bike racer. But I was absolutely terrified to go downhill. Like speed was something that I was so scared of because I couldn't inherently trust my equipment anymore. I couldn't trust that my bike was going to get me to where I needed to go safely. And uh, my coach at the time, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, was uh, kind of a, a berating and belittling coach. And he, his, his attitude was, well, you didn't die, so suck it up and, and just, like, just deal with it. Just, just go faster again. Like, the only way to get faster is to go faster was his attitude. And um, I, I struggled with that because that is not how I worked. And I was absolutely petrified to go downhill. Even the slightest downhill, I would just use my brakes and just drag my brakes all the way down. I, I couldn't get my head around this. This is after I was I was fully recovered. I was ready to hit the bike again. Um, I was, you know, my concussion had, had recovered. I had no, seemingly no lingering injuries at, at that time. And uh, I just, I couldn't go downhill. I really couldn't uh, descend very well. I tried to do a road race and I dropped out of it within the first 20 minutes of the road race. I turned around and went home and I was in tears when I got back to the car. Lauren was there. And, and I was just, I was, I was so overwhelmed and so, um, just petrified to, to go fast again. So I had to be okay with identifying that this was a big setback. You can't be a a fast bike racer if you can't go fast. So I'm, I'm at an impasse and I have to figure out one, how do I get through this? And for me, this, this took me about three years to master Hmm, master is not the right word. This took me about three years to get back to a sense of normalcy that allowed me to be competitive. I'm still very timid to uh, a very timid descender, and I don't go as as kind of um, full gas or full tilt downhill as as I used to be able to, and I'm okay with that. I I, I like to maintain some sense of control, and I may sacrifice some some speed and and whatnot, but I found other ways to make that up on the flats or on the climbs or, or whatnot. But I had to be okay with allowing myself to go truly back to basics and relearn how to descend. I had to surround myself with people that I really trusted. Uh, I trusted their bike handling skills and I trusted that they would help guide me, literally guide me down the hill. Um, and and we would start out really really slow. They met we met me where I was at, and my threshold for going downhill was so low. And so they would slowly, you know, we do the same hill that I would know the road surface. I would know every twist and turn, and we do it over and over and over again. And for, you know, and and we let off our brakes a little more and a little more and a little more. And, and this is a three-year process that it, it really took to kind of get me back to some sense of, of my new normal and, and be a competitive um, racer again where, where I could go downhill fast enough to hang with, with the rest of the group. Um, but that was a big setback, and, and it was how I decided to, one, decide right then and there, I'm sitting in the hospital bed realizing I'm not done with this and I'm not willing to let this take me down. Um, that I'm going to get back on the bike and I will recover and get back to normal 
So that was the first decision I made. And then two, I tried to get back to normal and I found that there were other setbacks and I had to accept that there were setbacks and I had to accept that I, I have to go back to basics and relearn how to do X skill and rebuild that, that skill again. So things are hard right now and I know that. Everyone is struggling. There's a lot of turmoil in the world. Um... And everyone's on edge. And, and nobody knows really what our new normal is going to look like. And that's hard. Um, some days, like I said at the beginning, are just are better than others. And I've just been managing through, like I think the rest of us have been too, one day at a time. So I hope that after, you know, after if you're tuning in, that after listening to this episode, um, it can give you some tools to find those silver linings, find some experiences that you had in the past um, that you can relate them to your current reality um, and and employ those skills this time around to help you get through on, on when the days are, are bad. I hope that you can find some fun ways to stay hungry and stay competitive and, and do things that you've been meaning to tick off your list um, locally, you know, in, in your small community that, um, you know, if, if it's a ride up a hill that, or a road that you haven't gone up in your neighborhood, go up the road. If it's a hike that you've been meaning to take or, or try and link together a section of trail from one part, one part of town to another, do it. Try and take advantage of it. Um, it's those small, consistent achievements that, that I think really, really help and give us some sense of accomplishment and satisfaction. So that's what I have for you this week. Um, I am very grateful that you're here, and um, I I am humbled by the amount of people that keep uh, downloading these episodes. It's been it's been really fun to watch the the numbers go up. I never made this podcast to try and go viral. If it does, great, but uh, I'm not going to quit my day job, at least not yet. I'll still manage a bike shop. Um, so thanks again for being here and, and continuing to tune in. Thanks for tuning in to the Not Last podcast. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop weekly. Follow us on Instagram at notlast underscore podcast. This podcast is produced solely by me. If you like what you hear, be sure to tell your friends. Music is generously permitted by the illustrious Fleming Gosis. My amazing artwork was created by the extremely talented Paige and Nochibar. Give them a follow and be sure to support local artists. You can find and subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. Coming up next, I'm going to talk about where being last earns you a spot on the podium. I'm excited you're here and I hope you'll come back soon.